0: This is where they make
1: their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. Goal from your man. Catch that if you
0: can! Hello there, and welcome to our match preview podcast. Callum Williams alongside D St. Aubin, as always. We sit in the radio booth outlooking a sun drenched, gorgeous Allianz Field. Minnesota won't play here for some time, though. Next up for Minnesota United away at FC Dallas on Sunday. We'll talk about that a little later on in the show. But first, Kindra, let's talk about a useful point away on the road for Minnesota United. Nil-nil. I think it's safe to say, particularly in the second half, it wasn't majorly enthralling from an entertainment point of view. But either way, a useful point for Minnesota United in what is becoming a tricky place to go and play in Nashville.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Adrian Heath kind of summed it up after the match. He wasn't pleased with the performance in the first half. He felt they were giving away too much of the ball and didn't really have control of the pace and the tempo of the game. But the way the second half went, it was another one of those where, you know, if you he said, if you would have asked him before the game, would you have taken a point knowing you're going on the road in a quick turnaround and playing against a national club who is desperate to score goals and desperate to get a win? He said yes. But then after the way the second half went, he kind of felt disappointed in the sense that, they, they could have had three in that game. He really felt like they had the better of the chances, the better of the shots. They completely crushed Nashville in the second half from a shot perspective and really started to control the midfield, control the tempo. So you're always going to take that point on the road. And another shutout, I think, does wonders for Dane St. Clair and for a back line who, quite honestly, had been hammered for a little bit there. Um when they were going through the transition of Tyler Miller, Greg Ranjitsing, and then Ranjitsing gets hurt and, and waiting for Dane St. Clair to come back in the fold and gotten kind of pummeled by Houston and Dallas, the, the back line was taking some heat. And now I think, you know, you have your third clean sheet in a row. That's great for Dane St. Clair, great for this back line. You get your point on the road in a Saturday, Tuesday turnaround. And, uh, you know, and you're missing your your – Normal left back and Chase Gasper. You're missing Jan Grigus in the center of the park. Guys step up. They fill in. You did create some chances, and you come back home. You get five or six days of regen, recovery, game planning before you hit the road and head to Texas to – to face FC Dallas so ultimately a useful point is probably the best way to describe it and I think the other major piece is a clean sheet.
0: I want to ask you about Ethan Finlay we'll, we'll go there shortly but you mentioned it there Kendra the the pieces that did fill in for Minnesota let me ask you about the performances of Aaron Schoenfeld, Ja'Cory Hayes and a first glimpse at Baki Debassi at left back for Minnesota.
1: I thought all performed admirably. I mean, Ethan Finley, it's almost like you just feel like you know what you're going to get from him every time. Um, From an energy perspective, from a spark perspective, I mean, every player maybe has an off game here or there. That's understandable. A poor touch here or there. But his standard for himself and his expectation for himself is so high that you almost wonder if, even within his own mind, if he ever actually reaches it. And that's probably part of the reason that he's been able to have the career that he has had because he's not the most technical player. He's not the most talented player, but he can do the things you need him to do on the ball, make every run that you ask him to make. He's smart in his runs. He looked fabulous, I thought, for not having played in a handful of games and getting back into fitness and um, recovering from another issue with his knee. So, um, I think, you know, he'll be disappointed and he was clearly that he didn't finish the chance that he tried to chip Joe Willis and didn't get that done and apologize to his teammates and his coach afterwards. But ultimately he put in 90 minutes after sitting out all that time and coming off, um, a knee issue and, looked like he hadn't missed a beat, in my opinion. Now, I do think that time will tell as far as he continues to develop that chemistry with Reynoso. And and Renoso is the type of player that will appreciate the kind of runs that Ethan Finley makes. And um, over time, they'll continue to develop that, and he'll find him. I thought Ja'Cory Hayes, once again, a, f- a fine job in the center of the park, and it was different seeing him alongside Hassani Dotson without Jan Gregouche because I think the personality and the roles changed a little bit and was more in the n- the more normal four two three one rather than the four three three with the three sitting centrally. Um, I thought Jacory and Hassani did well. More so in the second half than the first half, but controlling the tempo and um, kind of shutting down the midfield. I don't think Dax McCarty got on the ball much. I don't. I don't think there were too many issues that were coming from the center of the park. And Baki Debassi is, you know, did exactly what I think we expect him to do. Now, first 15, 20 minutes, thought he was up trying to get up too much. I think he got excited there, and when mm-hmm. you get an outside back that does like to attack, and all of a sudden they see these acres of space in front of them with maybe not a defensive responsibility, he wants to go forward and prove to everybody what he can do and why he's doing it and why Minnesota United brought, it, brought him in, not just from a center back role. But I think he realized real quick he needed to stay home, focus on the defensive duties first, then if you have an opportunity to go forward, you take it. But otherwise, with Kevin Molino sitting in front of you, you're not going to get a whole ton of help defensively, tracking back. And they had an outside back in Alistair Johnson who was getting forward, whipping balls in, and um, I think Baki DeBassi developed into that role quite nicely in that left back position. So it's nice to know again, you have that depth, you have that option on the left hand side.
0: What about Aaron Schoenfeld up front for Minnesota?
1: I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't think it was good enough. Um, It was serviceable. Maybe that's the best way to do it. And I'm not trying to, you know, take a shot at Aaron Schoenfeld. I mean, to be fair, he also hasn't played a lot in the last few weeks. He dealt with an injury for quite some time and then barely got any minutes. But, again, this is what Minnesota United is presented with currently. We've talked all season about depth, 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 and all of a sudden now all you have is Aaron Schoenfeld and Kai Kamara up top. And Kai Kamara was essentially getting the majority of the night off because it's a lot of games in a short amount of time. You want him fit and healthy. You're going to be going on the road to Dallas. And those two are going to have to share the load. And until Luis Amaria, we find out exactly what's happening with him, and Adrian has said, you know, you can rotate other players. Kev can play up there. Reynoso can play up there. You can put other players up top if you need to and, and change the shape maybe a little bit. But ultimately, um, I think Schoenfeld was serviceable, but he's no, he's no major threat from an attacking standpoint. So then if what you're asking to you do is to hold the ball up and keep possession, allow your teammates to come underneath and pressure from a defensive standpoint, you're the first line of pressure, I think he did okay at that. But ultimately, it's... It's not what you need from your number nine. I just don't think it's quite enough, but it it did okay for being on the road in a quick turnaround against
0: Nashville. From a positive point of view, you you mentioned it briefly a little earlier on, a clean sheet for Dane St. Clair. Again, that's three in a row. He looks very comfortable, but also in the center of midfield as well, both the partnership and and the, the duo Of Hassani Dotson and Jacore Hayes uh, seem to gather a lot of praise in the center of midfield. And now, knowing that Jan Gregush is not going to be with Minnesota for some time now because of international duty, Ozzy Alonso, we keep hearing, is right on the cusp of returning. But because of the partnership we're seeing blossom before our eyes with Hayes and Dotson, will it be a little more difficult for Ozzy Alonso to come back into the starting 11?
1: Well, how I view this is you know, now Minnesota goes on the road at Dallas on a Sunday night, and then they play a home game against Chicago on Wednesday. So, again, we're talking about games coming fast and furious. If someone said to you, do you want Ozzie back in your fold or not? I mean, hands down, every team in the league is going to say, absolutely, we want him back in the 18 or 20, whatever it is. I think that Adrian's going to have to make the choice of, what is your shape going to be going forward? Who is your opposition? Is it a time where Ozzie Alonso is on the pitch with a Ja'Cory Hayes and a Hassani Dotson? We both know that Ja'Cory and Hassani can play a little bit higher. They can be more attack-minded if they need to, particularly Hassani Dotson. So is there something where Ozzie can sit right in front of the two center backs. Kind of stay home, be that stalwart position in that role, not have to venture too far forward. He is getting up in age, he's coming back from a hamstring injury, and then he can kind of control that spot and that space between your midfield and your back line. But if you had the opportunity to have Ozzy Alonzo back in the mix, you were gonna take it every day and twice on Sunday not just because of what he brings on the field, but also his leadership qualities. And the closer you can have him to the rest of the team, the better because of his contributions and what he does for this club. I think just from a motivational experience, voice, all those kinds of things. So it's going to be tough for him, but also I I think that it's just a, it's a good thing because now you have more depth in that position with Jan-Greguish gone, you can change your shape and, um, and you don't want to play Ozzy every game. You're not going to be able to play Ozzy every game for 90 minutes because of the nature of the schedule and the season and him getting up there in age. So to me, you know, maybe it was a weird blessing in disguise that Ozzy got injured because it allowed Jakori and Hassani to get a lot of minutes alongside of each other in that role, especially now that Jan is gone, rather than all of a sudden they're just getting thrown into it now. Those two all of a sudden are having to figure it out. They've had more time to do it. Um, and now Ozzy's back in the fold, hopefully knock on wood and, and he stays healthy. And it's just more depth in that position.
0: Yeah, we'll talk extensively about the depth and the possibilities for Minnesota away to FC Dallas on Sunday in the next segments. But I think, Indra, it's safe to say both you and I and, and many others I've spoken to since the game were quite surprised with Nashville SC. When you look at their roster, actually, it's not a bad expansion roster at all and We alluded to it a little earlier on as well. They haven't lost at home since the opening day of the MLS season back in late February, which seems like several years ago now. (laughs) But um, there is something to be said when you are as strong as you are at home to be able to take a point away from what is becoming a difficult place to come.
1: Yeah, and I think everybody right now is is trying to figure out what is home field advantage. And and Nashville has been become a tough place to play. They've only had a handful of games there. But I think it was Sam Call or somebody did a, a breakdown the other day of the home field advantage compared to years past. And I don't know if it's the absence of the, the fans or if it's the, the flying in on the day of the game. But mm. I think Minnesota will still feel good about going on the road. Any point on the road, especially in these these circumstances, is going to feel like a good thing with the tight turnaround and the craziness of it. I don't think Nashville still has their, you know what, together. I mean, there's still something just not missing. There's something missing going forward from them. But I think defensively, that's what's kept them where they need to be not just at home, but also on the road. We saw the draw against New England. We saw what they were able to do against Minnesota United. A huge piece of it's Joe Willis, but also, again, you have Dax McCarty sitting in there. You have some outside backs that have been playing really well. You've got Walker Zimmerman. You've got Dave Romney. You know, you've got two veterans sitting right in your two center back positions with Dax McCarty in front. That is a luxury that Nashville is trying to capitalize on right now while their offense is trying to figure it out and get their pieces playing in the right way. So. I think that Minnesota United um, went on the road and got a point there. Ultimately, they should feel good about it. You can say, and Adrian did after the game, maybe we could have gotten three because of the way the second half went. But ultimately, you should feel good about the point on the road at a Nashville place that they were fired up to play back home in front of fans. And I think that Minnesota, you know, now they can kind of gather themselves for the next four or five days here before they head out once again.
0: OK, well, there were several individuals missing across the world of Major League Soccer over the Tuesday and Wednesday evening games, and it'll be the case for several individuals for some time because they're away on international duty. Now, usually when a player goes away on international duty, they miss one, maybe two games max. But because of the world we live in now and the quarantine needs that have that have been set uh, and that are in place, it now looks like as if players that have gone on international duty, will miss upwards of five, maybe even six games. Minnesota will be affected by this, Kindred, because Jan Gregus has gone away to play for Slovakia. And you can't blame him, because Slovakia are playing the Republic of Ireland in a huge game that will see them go to the next round to potentially qualify for Euro 2020, which has now been played in 2021. Um, And then some Nations League games against Scotland and Israel as well. So so they're important games for the Slovakian national team. I know there were efforts to try and keep him here. I'm not entirely convinced Jan Griegos himself really wanted to go over because of the COVID-19 situation. But either way, there's going to be a lot of shorthanded teams moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, it's tough to just look at each roster and go, well, how come that player got to stay but our player had to go you know because of the very scenario you just pointed out every team is in a different position right now a lot of these international teams and these national teams I should say are playing friendlies versus games that actually matter and are meaningful I think Jan Gregoosh for me is a tough one because I'm not entirely convinced either that he wanted to go, but usually when your national team calls and they want you on the roster, you've got to say yes, because especially Jan Gregor's, this might be his last chance in the fold, in the mix for a world cup or whatever is to come for, for Slovakia for him. So he knows that he can't really say no, even though it's going to mean six games quite possibly that he misses for Minnesota United. And then also Minnesota United's probably going, okay, you guys have called, Yan up the last few times. He's traveled halfway around the world and he hasn't played any minutes. So, if you're going to take him away from us for six games, why don't you throw him in a match and make it meaningful? So, it's this weird kind of combination, um, I think, for both club and player and country of making these decisions going forward. Robin go because as you said, Finland is playing in friendlies. They don't need, he doesn't need to be part of that squad. They're not trying to advance in anything. Um, so, I think that you know, ultimately, it's probably all going to shake out pretty evenly for every every team in this window in this time for players that are missing or aren't missing or some that got to stay back. We talked before about Rui Diaz being gone for Seattle. I mean, he's been a massive piece of their attack going forward, and you know, they're fortunate to have a player like Jordan Morris and Will Bruin coming off an ACL who might, you know, somehow just manages to score goals when he steps on the field. But that's a huge miss for Seattle. So, every club is dealing with something. Um, and I just think that it'll all probably shake out pretty evenly, but honestly, I mean, it's more the nature of how long they're having to be gone. I mean, or miss games, I should say it's just nuts the way it is right now. And it it is what it is, as we've been saying for all of 2020. Um, but ultimately Jan Gregoosh, I mean, how many regular season games we've left seven, eight. You know what I mean? I mean, he he's nearly going to miss the rest of the regular season until Minnesota United if they do get to the playoffs. So that's a that's a tall task, and, and that's where again we talk about Ozzy Alonso. Hopefully, he stays healthy, and Minnesota does have some depth um, in that position, but. It's a big miss for Minnesota United. He's played every minute except for when he was, you know, suspended, I think.
0: Yeah, and lots of players will be unavailable across Major League Soccer. I, I do wonder if that means we'll see a couple of internal trades around uh, MLS and um Maybe some bodies coming in from elsewhere. It's difficult to get international bodies in right now because of COVID-19. So I do wonder, I'm not talking about Minnesota. I'm saying across the Mm -hmm. entirety of the league. I do wonder if we see a couple of internal trades because of this. Speaking of COVID-19, it's all we've spoken about really in 2020, (laughs) isn't it? Um, It has presented its challenges to just about everybody across the world in some shape or form. It seems as though the latest Major League Soccer Club with issues are Colorado Rapids. Again, another one of their games suspended or at least postponed and called off for the time being meaning now they've got three games to make up this is going to cause a problem for major league soccer moving forward
1: it's going to be a big time problem it already is a big time problem and our stat graphic guru bruce wolf you know sent us a nice little one cheater earlier today kind of pointing out the issues that mls is now going to have to figure out because of this because of the fact that Colorado And you and I talked about this, I believe it was in the postgame show. They had already, I think they didn't train from September 24th until October 5th was the first time even the team was back in training. So now they get back on the pitch and they have another positive test. And I think they had 12 positive tests prior to that between players and first team staff members. So, you know, I just... I don't know what you do to solve the problem because you've already having to make up three games. That's, That's said and done. If they can make up the three games, meaning not just Colorado, but also whoever they were supposed to play in the match. Um, where is that going to, where are you going to find that in the calendar when you're already playing a tight schedule and everybody's playing, you know, midweek plus a weekend game, you're traveling in on the day of where is MLS going to find that for these teams and have it be a real fair shakeout to me? It kind of seems like, what does 2020 end up being for MLS? What, what does it look like? We've talked in the past about supporter shield like that hour already kind of seems you know, silly because it's a shortened season and everybody's, you know, some teams are playing weaker opponents more than others. But what does that mean for 2020 and what this champion will look like even ultimately? I mean, does Colorado end up getting disqualified if they, if they continue to have positive tests and they're not able to train and then they're affecting other results, meaning their opposition can't, you know, play the games, and it just affects the schedule in a negative way. And it puts other people on hold because of your current individual situation with Colorado. So I don't know. It's just it's kind of a mess. And again, I don't envy the schedule makers for MLS. Um, I didn't when they came out of the bubble and I don't now. And we knew ultimately these are issues that could happen um, with the coronavirus still. And people are in their daily lives. I mean, they are no longer in a bubble. It You know, it was bound to happen. But when you already had this many games in close succession, that means you're just missing and postponing more games and it's going to be a real challenge going forward. And, and hopefully that's, you know, that's all we see. And, um, you know, cause I think new England maybe had a positive test. We know Nashville had a positive test um, before they went to new England. So there's other teams that have dealt with it, but on a much smaller scale. So I don't know. It just seems like a mess. And, um, I don't know how MLS is going to resolve it. I mean, what do you think? How do how do they resolve? Do they make up the games? That this continues on, and you know, they're not even training.
0: I I don't know because you can't you can't look towards the end of the regular season and call it decision day now. Exactly. When Colorado could potentially have several games to make up, you know, it's just the league are going to have to perhaps abandon that sort of notion. It 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 won't work. Um, I don't know because it's such a unique frustration, um, an issue to deal with. I I really, I don't know how the league are going to get around it. You know, are there other opportunities for for Colorado to potentially play on on a Tuesday like Minnesota did um, this past week? Um, I I don't know. I I really don't know. Um, But the league are going to have to figure something out. Otherwise, um, you do fear for Colorado Rapids and their 2020 season because like you insinuated there, Maybe it gets to the point where the league is saying, well, look, when we first were starting to think about this and and this restructured season, when FC Dallas and Nashville SC didn't have things together, we ended up having to disqualify them from from the tournaments, from the MLS's back tournaments. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're starting to think something similar from a Colorado Rapids point of view. I hope not, because... We want this tournament to, and this season to be as fair as it can possibly be, but um, there's no easy answer. There's no easy answer about and we're this. We're running at all.
1: out of time now. You know what I mean? When those decisions were made, it was May. It was June. It was. You know what I mean? Like now, yeah. we're we're in mid-October. I mean, we're running out of time of when you can realistically play these games and move forward. So. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, if it's just affecting yourself, but when it's affecting others, meaning whoever their opposition is and the other teams that have suffered canceled games, it's, you know – they're going to be piled on with additional games on their schedule also. So it's just, it's it's tough times. It's craziness for, for MLS and another tough decision to have to make.
0: Let me ask you about this. We are uh, rapidly running out of time. Unsurprisingly, Kay, we've done it again. We've only covered about <laughs> a third of the subjects that we said we were going to.
1: Well, and what's crazy, <laughs> me, you, and Morgan sat here and talked for 40 minutes before you even started, but we still have more to talk about.
0: <laughs> Who would have thought we talked for a living, huh? Um, let me ask you, uh, this is something that we, we didn't talk about and why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, a new head coach at New York Red mm. Bulls, uh, Gerhard Struber, coming in mm. from Barnsley in the second division mm. in England, um, did a great job at Barnsley, kept them in the championship on the final day with a win away at Brentford, um, which meant Brentford wouldn't go to the Premier League. They'd have to go to the playoffs and ultimately they didn't work for them. Um, but Struber comes in with a very Red Bull resume. He was a Red Bull Salzburg for several years as an academy coach. He coached from the U15s to the 16s, 17s, then went to their feeder club in the second division in Austria, um, and then, uh, I believe, went back into the, the Salzburg organization again before heading over to Barnsley. Now he's back with the Red Bull organisation. It, it seems as though, we've seen this before, the Red Bull organisation do like to, if they can, try and keep people under this umbrella. It, it seems as though Struber left for a moment or two and now he's back in. We know Jesse Marsh's job is, is very secure at Red Bull Salzburg. He's doing a fabulous job. Austrian League and Cup winners was wonderful in the Champions League. But it, it does... This does strike me as it's 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 Red Bull literally saying, right, we're going to put you in New York now and we want you back under this umbrella because at some stage with your Salzburg connections, we may very well put you over to Salzburg again because possibly at some stage we expect to lose Jesse Marsh.
1: You know, I think to me right now, the Red Bulls just have a lot of issues and I'm not as familiar with Schruber as you are just with his experience overseas and in other leagues. But I think that ultimately... Only time will tell on if he works for this current role. I think, unfortunately, you can get ahead of yourself when you're looking at the next move, two moves, three moves ahead of time. There's something to be said for planning for the future, but there's also something to be said for right now and what are you doing right now? And is he the right fit for this New York Red Bulls club in this position over here in, let's be honest, New Jersey? (laughs) 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 Not in New York. But I think that, um, you know, people were shocked at Armis getting fired and he was technically under the Red Bull umbrella, but yet, albeit Red Bulls here, not overseas with Salzburg. Um, But I think that, you know... What are What's the timeline? How long are they expecting him to have? I mean, he's got to fly over here. He's got a quarantine. I don't even know when he's getting here. Um, or, you I don't totally think
0: he's got his visa yet. Yeah.
1: Right, exactly. So, I mean, I, I, this is clearly a 2021 thing, I mm. would assume. I mean, what's he going to do in 2020? There's really nothing left to do. And during the offseason, I guess he can do some things. But... Ultimately, for me, you just think uh, Kevin Thalwell, who was brought in or is now currently the man making the decisions and fired Chris Armis, must see something in Struber that he feels like is the right fit for this club. Now, he hasn't been there himself that long, but I think you can't look too far ahead because this Red Bulls club and MLS in and this league and, and here in the United States deserves the attention of saying this is what we want to do here right now in this moment to fix the Red Bulls, to get them back to their winning ways, to get the fans when they can come back in the stands and and come to our beautiful arena and not look two or three steps ahead of when is Struber going to have to take over for Jesse Marsh. Now, ultimately that may be their plan, but I think sometimes you can't always have one foot out the door and they haven't even brought the guy in yet. So we'll see. I mean, I think, Players and coaches sometimes underestimate this league and how difficult it can be and to navigate the space and the the player movements, the transfer markets, the salaries, the way the rosters are built. So we'll see what Struber does with what he has currently made on this Red Bulls roster and how he can, you know, put his stamp on things going forward. But it won't be the first time we've seen it maybe not work. I, I hope it works, but we'll see.
0: Okay, Let's take a break, shall we? Our producer Morgan is going crazy over here. Um, We've got plenty to talk about. uh, Lots happening in the world of Major League Soccer at the moment. And I promise you, in the second segment, we'll talk about Minnesota United's next match away at FC Dallas. Stay with us. While team sports may be sidelined right now, team spirit is going strong. Alina Health and Minnesota United have teamed up to support the frontline caregivers at Alina Health. Learn how you can help by visiting alinahealth.org forward slash caring for caregivers. And a very warm welcome back to the Match Preview podcast. Callum Williams alongside D St. Aubin. We will talk about Minnesota United's next opponents, FC Dallas, a little later on. But Kendra, when the league is as exciting as it is at the moment, and for MLS nerds like you and I, it's just so fabulous to have so much to talk about. We, we have to cover um, everything about it. And, and, and so let's... Continue where we left off in New York, shall we? Not with the Red Bulls, with New York City FC. I think we were all surprised when we learned during the week that Alexandru Matricia, a Romanian international who's been stellar for NYC FC, seems to be on the way out. A loan deal has been agreed with an unnamed Saudi Arabian club, to our knowledge at the moment. It seems as though it's a loan with a view to buy. Um, But Ronnie Dyla, when asked about it, this is the head coach of NYC FC, He said he didn't see the the need really to replace Matricia or indeed Herbert, the center forward they've lost through an ACL injury, because he seems to be quite happy with what he has. Uh, First of all, is that surprising to you? And second of all, were you surprised that Matricia was allowed to leave in the manner in which he was?
1: First of all, I don't understand the depth that Ronnie Dyla is speaking of because you're happy with what you have, but that included Matricia. You know what I mean? That included him in that current bit of form that you've found yourself on they've they've kind of come back around here um but I and I I just think that this is one of those situations to me that when we first heard this and you sent the text about it once the news kind of came out it was like how in the world Why, why would this happen why would they do this you know why would this and especially at this time but then once you this goes to the point of we never know everything and you never know everyone's personal circumstances, if the club is doing a favor, because reading articles that they are expecting, him and his wife are expecting their first child, and this will bring him back closer to his wife, who is still in Romania. So you never know what, he may have just gone to the club and said, look, this is a situation, coronavirus, COVID, I need to be back, I need to be with my family, my my wife is having our first child, this is the situation, I need this move to happen. So instead, in the initial reaction, I'm thinking, why in the world are NYCFC sending Matricha to the Saudi Arabian club why would they do that at this moment he's been one of the bright spots in this club that has suffered injuries and struggled on the season anyways to score goals to to get into form been up and down they were up and down in MLS's back tournament they've been kind of up and down and inconsistent since returning from Orlando and it just kind of felt like they were sort of starting to click a little bit and playing him in a little bit of a number 10 role trying to replace their number nine you know moving some pieces on the wings. Um, And then I think Alex Ring went off injured in a game against FC Cincinnati. I don't know what his status is. So just all these different things in these crazy times of 2020, you want to sort of keep the pieces to the puzzle that are there that are reliable in the fold. And you said it, a bear missing with an ACL. Um, But again, I would guess being on the outside and looking in and reading the information that it's more about, the personal side of things and not just the soccer football side of things that this decision was made at this moment in time in the best interest or for the player rather than for the club. And Ronnie Dyla, I think he's going to try to speak positively of it because he doesn't want to throw anybody under the bus. He's trying to respect matricia and his personal wishes and say, look, we're going to have to move on without him, and this is what we need to do, and these are the players we have, and unless they make another move or an internal inside MLS move, this is what they're going to have to go forward with and try to make a run for it.
0: Let's stay in New York, shall we, for this uh, next subject, although it is uh, from a negative point of view from a New York standpoint. Gonzalo Higuain, Mm. off the mark for Inter Miami. If you, the listener, have not seen this fabulous free kick from Gonzalo Higuain, I plead with you to go and have a look and find it somewhere. It's out there. It is wonderfully struck. And, Kindred, not a bad way for Gonzalo Higuain to make his mark in Major League Soccer. This is why he earns the big bucks.
1: Well, how about redemption, though, after the missed penalty? Yes. You know what I mean? (laughs) It was like that thing went viral in their last match, and now this way, this one goes viral from this match, and it was. It was a beauty of a goal. It was a beauty of a strike, and Twitter was blowing up. And if you are a soccer fan and you are an MLS fan and you have not seen this goal, then you are living under a rock because <laughs> it was everywhere last night, and deservedly so. This is why it gets the paid... Pay the big bucks. But for more importantly for me is we kept talking about Gonzalo Higuain and what could he do to this Miami roster? What is he going to be able to contribute? How can he carry the load? How is he viewing his role um, amongst this club? And we talk about Matt Tweedy as well and what he brings to the team, but ultimately is can they start putting results together consistently? Because yes, you're going to be on the highlight reel. You're going to be in the, you know, the sports center top 10 for that finish. Um, but what can you do as a club going forward and what is remaining of a really wonky 2020 season. Um, But that is why Gonzalo Higuaín has been brought in for those moments of brilliance, those difference makers, those moments where he may not have done anything for the other 89 minutes of the match, but he put that one in, he buried it. And, um, you know, he lifted that team. And talk about just lifting your team even from a just a, an emotional confidence perspective. And I think even a player like him when he stepped on the field at the practice facility I'm sure it was much the same way. Everyone's probably standing a little bit taller, walking a little bit differently, feeling a little bit better about your club and their chances going forward when your team signs a player like that. We heard Adrian talk about that with Minnesota United when Reynoso got on the training pitch finally. You know, when Akai Kamar comes into the fold, there's a certain level of, you know, a, a swing swagger that comes back to the team, not that Minnesota was missing it, but when you know you've signed some quality players and you've brought players in like that, like a Gonzalo Higuain, your whole team is going to feel better about themselves. Now, can they consistently do it on the pitch and start to kind of turn this thing around?
0: Raises the level, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. And And it raises the level in training. I mean, we talk about swagger, we talk about body language, but literally just the level that's expected of you in training. And those kind of players... You know, they they expect perfection. They know it's not going to be perfect every pass, every run, every finish. But there's a certain level that they are accustomed to, that they demand of others, they demand of themselves, and it will bring up bring about the case, you know, going forward. And it does that for Miami.
0: Okay, let's go from one Argentine to another, shall we? At the other end of the country, from Gonzalo Higuain to Guillermo Barros Skeloto. Now then. This is interesting, Kindra, and I I put something out on social media last night. It was late, so I don't know if anybody saw it, but um, the LA Galaxy, five defeats in a row, six games without a win. Um, Now they come off the back of a home defeat and a 6-3 home defeat to Portland Timbers. Now, uh, this uh, I'm right on the edge of making this a rant here, which I don't want to do, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, l- let me tell you, from, from an international perspective, right? because I want to get your American perspective, but from an international point of view, the LA Galaxy are still very much viewed as one of, if not the American soccer powerhouse. Um, they are always going to be the team that signed David Beckham. They are always going to be the team that brings in the big superstars. That is how LA Galaxy are viewed across the world. So with that comes a certain expectation. With that comes what you would expect from a a side you would identify as a big club. I, I consider LA Galaxy a big club. Now, my question to you is, after the results... That i explained the 6-3 loss the run of results that they've had do managers at big clubs survive this type of run and that type of thumping at home
1: i'm so confused about la galaxy because when we talked about them and mls is back and they came out of the bubble and we were saying guillermo barro should not have a job by next week what is going on here? He's not the right fit. This is something is just not right with the piece. I mean, they have Christian Pavone. I mean, look at the talents, Sebastian Legette. They've got so many good pieces. Um, you know, they they tried, or they are, or they have Chicharito. You know, Javier Hernandez in the mix as well. What is going wrong in LA Galaxy? What is going wrong with this club? And they've been overtaken in the city by LAFC. Well, all of a sudden, they rattle off these wins, they look good, they're attacking, they're passing, they're putting the pieces together, they're playing some of their young guys, everyone's high on LA Galaxy again, maybe they've got something going here and something going right. And then now the last vein of form that they've been in has been atrocious, and you said it, losing 6-3 to three at home is unacceptable by LA Galaxy standards and by the history of that club. And I do think it's still viewed as a big club, if not one of the biggest in MLS around the world. But I mean, is that right? Is it just because players like to come to LA, to New York and to Miami? That's my issue is like, is that why around the world is viewed that way? Yes, they signed David Beckham. Yes, they had Robbie Keane. Yes, they had Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You know, they've always had the kind of the one-off big name player that's kind of been the star power, has been the billboards on the side of buildings in Times Square, you know, but ultimately like they've been sort of kind of bad for a little while now. And so then does it fall on to Does it fall on Klein? Does it Mm -hmm. fall on not just Guillermo Barros Coloto? I mean, there's gotta be some sort of responsibility had to get the club and the quality of the team actually back up to the level of what everyone sees it as. Because right now I don't think they're the same. Everyone still views it as one of the top clubs in the world for MLS around the world. But I think if you ask people all around here, I'm not sure if you ask people that live in this every day if we would agree with that. And so, like, the level of the team needs to come back up to the perception of it worldwide. And they are missing on all accounts right now. Chicharito sounds like a fabulous idea. Yes. But he, yeah. But it is not working there. And they almost need to rebuild, a restructure. But you don't have to tear the whole team apart because they have some really, really good players on that roster. It-
0: I tell you now, Kate, they are still viewed as, as as a super club, an American super club. I think they were the original super yes. club in North America. Mm-hmm. In terms of Major League Soccer, I'm not talking about the old NASL days and the Cosmos and whatnot, but in terms of Major League Soccer, they've been viewed as the original super club. I was speaking to my dad the other day. My mom and dad spend a lot of time in Spain. They've had a, a place there for a long time. He was walking around some some market somewhere and somebody was walking around in an LA Galaxy jersey. Yep. So they are such a well-known team. But the, the main issue, and i Text you about this yesterday. When I was watching that game against Portland, as soon as the Timbers got their second goal, I text you saying, the Galaxy are so poor defensively, and then lo and behold, they go and concede four more. But it's not like this is the first issue we've spoken about, the defensive frailties of LA Galaxy. I feel like we've been talking about this for years, and, and for me now, it's inexplicable that this can continue on. They have to get things sorted.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think this goes to the point that we've talked about several times, not just with LA Galaxy, but starting now to see it across the league. The quality of the defenders and the defense in this league has got to be Raise. It's got to pick up because if I'm the attacking players that the L.A. Galaxy do have on their roster and some people will say that. I mean, you heard Reynoso say, who's who's your favorite player Argentinian Christian Pavon? Absolutely loves him as a player. Well, there he is on LA Galaxy, and you hardly even notice him sometimes. You hardly even know that he's out on the pitch and his quality. You don't even get to see it because they're so poor defensively that they're just getting pummeled. They can't get the ball forward. They can't attack. They can't find a way to kind of combine and let players shine. So if I'm the attacking players for LA Galaxy, I'm going, good Lord, what is going on back there, and how do we get it together? And LA Galaxy has got to find a way to spend some money, to put the right pieces in the back line in the goalie situation. I mean, David Bigham is, you know, a very serviceable goalkeeper, but he's not the quality that LA Galaxy need. And that really, quite honestly, from a consistency perspective, hasn't been good enough. And, and put your money where your mouth is in the sense that get the whole team together. You have got you can't just spend this flashy money. And you see that guy, your, your dad sees that guy in a Galaxy jersey because they do a hell of a job marketing that club. Regardless of if they're bottom of the table and they're allowing six goals a game, why do you think they did the big interview with Latane Ibrahimovic where they got a lion on the set and they fly over there and they make this big hullabaloo? Same thing they did with Chicharito. You know, they blow it up with the one big signing. But then when it doesn't come to fruition on the field, people are too smart for that now. The soccer fans in the United States especially, are they're keen to that now. They yes. understand the game of soccer. They don't just like the flashy new bright toy that's over here in the corner with the signing. They've got to find a way to right this ship, and it starts with their defense, but that starts with the decision-making in the front office on who is signing these players. And I don't know how much Guillermo barros is involved in the signings and the players right. brought in. I don't know who's taking what, you know, Part of that accountability but something has got to change there because they are a super club by name now they have to be it on the field
0: league's changing isn't it there is um, becoming not much room at all for luxury players in this league at the moment and and i don't think that's a bad thing at all um, let's go elsewhere shall we and um, talk about another head coach that that could potentially be in trouble um after losing 4-0 to atlanta united who have their own problems dc united lost 4-1 to new york city fc um is ben olsen's seat perhaps the hottest in major league soccer at the moment
1: well you know how i feel i would think it is i mean his seat's been toasty warm now for a few (laughs) few weeks if not a month he's like he's got his seat heater cranked up to (laughs) high um But again, there's, you know, how many times have you reminded me he's a club legend and you're a club that's D.C. United who just built this new soccer specific stadium right in the heart of D.C., you know, again, a shiny new toy over there with the stadium Um, and. You know, your reputation, though, I think can only go so far. And we've seen that not just in MLS, in every sport around the world, around the country, that, yes, you can be a legend in your own right, whether it's as a former player, as a coach of another club, but at some point you have to provide the results. At some point winning is what keeps you in that position and I think Ben Olsen's time there may be up not because he's not still a really great coach and tactically he might still be amazing but if no one is listening to him in that locker room anymore what is the point? Your tactical genius, your coaching awareness, your motivational abilities are going in one ear and out the other and so I think for me it's just one of those things that you have to accept it when it's time. You have to be able to accept when it's time and it's time to move on. D.C. United needs to accept that with Ben Olsen. That is not to take anything away from what he's done in his past as a coach and as a player at D.C. United. But I think now his time has come to move on. And, you know, if players aren't responding, then it's time to move on. If his message isn't getting across, it's time to move on. And it seems like it's showing that way on the field. I don't know what's going on in that locker room. I don't have any inside sources. But just, you know, being a former competitor yourself, you know what that, you know what that Feels like when the message just isn't getting across.
0: Okay, let's live up to the name of this podcast, shall we? The match preview podcast, <laughs> and talk about Minnesota United's next game away to FC Dallas. Before
1: we even break it down, I want to know your prediction. Is Minnesota finally going to win <laughs> at Dallas? <laughs>
0: Do you know? I, um, in in my opinion, I I I, uh, I would take a point. I really would take a point.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. But, no, so so in, in all seriousness. Since Minnesota last played FC Dallas, I, I mean, uh, are, are we are we describing them as inconsistent because they've not been great? They've not got too many wins. They've had a handful of draws and losses. Um, it, it's not been the most uh, consistent spell for FC Dallas since these two sides last met. But Kindra, that doesn't mean they don't have threats. Um, we only have to go back to the last time Minnesota played at FC Dallas and Juan uh, Marmita had a, a nightmare of a game going up against Fafa Pico who we're assuming will be available. Barrios you would assume would be the other side. Recalte the new Colombian number 10 seems to have settled in well which means a lot of service for Frank O'Hara as well. Um, no doubt this FC Dallas side have got plenty about them especially when they play at home. This is not going to be an easy task for Minnesota.
1: Well, and, you know, we can look at the game, which just happened last night. They end up losing 2 nothing to a shorthanded Houston Dynamo. Um, and I believe that was – was that on the road in Houston? Yes. I believe it was on the road in Houston because we just talked about their home dominance. But prior to that, they were a 2-2 draw against Columbus, and that game was at home. So they have had the ability to get results against teams when they're at home. There is something about – which I haven't figured out what the home field dominance is at Dallas, because I think they do allow people in the stands, but it's really not that much different than when, (laughs) when they were allowed full capacity and the same amount of people were showing up in Dallas. Wow. (laughs) Well, I mean, let's be fair. We've gone there and said they have this beautiful pitch, the stadium, they have the soccer hall of fame and nobody is coming to the games and Dallas, Was good. I mean, back in under Oscar Pereja, making the playoffs, Supporter Shield, you know, U.S. Open Cup, all those things, getting the results and people still weren't coming to the game. So how do they have this home field dominance? I haven't figured it out, except that it's the temperature. It's the climate. It's the conditions in which teams are having to play in. And that was a huge piece for me the last time Minnesota United went there. I think I'd never seen Romo Mentonier look as poor as he did in that match. I actually said to you during the game, I think it was during a commercial break, I hope he has the flu or something because I've never seen him look this poor and this tired and this out of form. That is not what we are used to seeing from Roma Metsunir. He'll want some redemption against if Fafo Pico is playing in that game. And I think it gets to the point now where Minnesota United can't get in their own head when they head on the road to play this FC Dallas side because they know they've never won a game there. In this iteration of MLS and this club, there's only a couple people, Michael Boxel and Kevin Molino that have been with this club now since 2017, except for Brent Coleman, who's now back in the fold as well with the roster and the coaching staff. So they, they're they going to finally go down there and say, is this going to be the time that we can put these attacking pieces together. We can use a player like Emmanuel Reynoso to combine to get forward, a Kai Kamara who can finish in the box, who can help create and support, and then get some wing play from Ethan Finley, a Robin Lud who had the entire night off the other night against Nashville, and hopefully be a little bit fresher for it. And you still have a really stern, solid back line. But somehow, someway, this FC Dallas side finds wins at home. They find goals. Minnesota has been thumped there now a, a number of times, uncharacteristically in some cases. And, um, I think they're going to really rely on some of the pieces that maybe didn't play the other night in Nashville, because again, quick turnaround, another game next Wednesday um, at home against Chicago and rely on a, on a Marlon Harrison or Raheem Edwards to, you know, possibly come off the bench and, and give some reprieve to some of the other guys and Akai Kamara to go back up top since he only played uh, 20 minutes or so the other night. Um, but, you know, SC Dallas, Luchi Gonzalez, I mean, he's familiar with every player on this roster because they're all homegrowns. They're all young guys. And then they've got their veterans that they just rely on. They've got Hollingshead, who can pretty much play anywhere. They've got Barrios, who we talked about. They've got Frank O'Hara, who now seems to be finding his groove and struggled early on with them. Got thrown in the mix in a weird time of 2020. And then Requarte. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but I tried um, who looks really solid to me. I mean, he came on for a couple minutes here against Minnesota United and created their best chances they had um, on the night. I think it looks comfortable on the ball can take a beautiful set piece. You can see his quality again, a creator um, and works defensively, very similar to a Reynoso in that position. I don't know, Cal, <sighs> is this the time? Is this the time Minnesota comes away with a victory?
0: Well, Let me ask you this as well, because limited substitutions were made, obviously, in Nashville. That would perhaps insinuate that we would see the likes of Raheem Edwards, Robin Lurd, Kai Kamara starting for Minnesota United. I I think right now you probably start Reynoso as much as you can. Obviously, he had a lot of time off before coming here to Minnesota, and and now he's starting to look sharp. Um, But apart from from that, Kay, are are we expecting any other major adjustment? Because they've had a good couple of days training now leading up to this game away at FC Dallas.
1: Well, you know, this is the challenge, I think, for you and I when we're not privy to training is that we don't know how everybody came out of that Nashville trip because Kevin Molino and Ethan Finley did play the full 90-whatever-minutes that they played in that match, and Kevin Molino had been dealing with an injury and was just returning to form. Ethan Finley just returned from a long stretch of an injury. So how did they feel the next day? How do they feel the next couple days, even though you have three, four, five days before your next match? Because to me, if I'm Adrian Heath and against a Western Conference opponent and on the road, you're going to want to throw your best 11 out there to start. You're going to want to start with your best 11 and see what they can do. Now, does that mean a halftime substitution? Does that mean a 60th-minute substitution where you see Raheem, you see Marlon? Um, I would assume Kai Kamara is going to start and not Schoenfeld, but you have that option off the bench. Reynoso, again, will play as many minutes as as you can see available for him. But ultimately, you want to go and get the points on the road, but you also know that this is a tumultuous, crazy October that's going to lead into the first, possibly second week of November um, with the way decision day might be shaping up here. And you've got to try to balance the schedule with your talent, with your depth and uh, still try to get the points. I mean, that's that's. Adrian Heath will be the first one to tell you that's what he gets paid to do is balance that and try to figure out to get the best out of the guys that you have on the roster and move forward and still get results and keep everybody healthy. That's a tough task, especially during the schedule. If I'm him, I throw the best 11 out there and I bring those other guys off the bench, maybe at halftime, maybe, you know, forty. you know, 60th minute, if you can get 60 minutes out of Kevin Molino, if you can get 60 minutes out of Ethan Finley, who's coming back from injury, and um, we'll see what Ozzy Alonso looks like.
0: I was going to say, what is the best 11?
1: Um, I think it's Kai Kamara. I think it's, oh man, that's a tough one with Robin Lud back in the mix and having a full night off. Um you know, maybe you start again, assuming everyone is healthy and came right, out yes. of Nashville in Nashville in good form. You know, I would go with I would go with Kai Kamara, Ethan Finley, Renoso, Robin Lud, Jacory Hassani, Chase Debasi, Boxy Roman. And Dane Clair, obviously. And then you have Kevin in an availability, a massive luxury to have him, a player of his quality, come off the bench to either spell Reynoso, because we don't know. You know, he's played a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. Or an Ethan Finley, and then you still have that fantastic attacking standpoint in the middle of the pitch. Um, that's what I would go with to start the game.
0: OK, well, you can join us on Fox Sports North from 7pm. You can also listen to the game on Score North as well with Dan Terha and Johnny Harrison. Can Minnesota United claim what will be a third-away victory of the season? Find us and uh, join us on Fox Sports North. Looking forward to your company Sunday evening, 7pm. See you then.